There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, Stephen Diener hosted the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to Live from Spring Training in Jupiter, Florida, presented by Design Air Heating and Cooling. Tim McKernan, Derek Gould with you. I'm Derek, Derek does fine. It's absolutely, I'm going to do my whole thing. Fans. Oh, is that right? Oh, that's yeah, Trent. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Trent. We haven't met. Today, I tried to match your t-shirt with my, look out for the sh- No, no, with our, uh, with our alma mater. Well, I still have eight credit hours left. So this, but I'm no, you know you're, you're an alum if you pay. Oh, is that right? I don't think, yeah, alum... Sweet. My definition is if you attended and paid. So what if I like made a donation to Harvard? We would, talked would about I this, able right? To, would I be would able you to... like to borrow some of my credit? Yes, well, you, have some, you have surplus? I do. <laughs> you really? I have 88 hours. So I have this going. Uh, Fight Tiger against Mike Anderson in Arkansas. Maybe I know Ben Ooh. Fredrickson's all over the Michael Porter Jr. beat, the Colonel Gabriel DeArmond and Dave Matter, I'm sure, had their... Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and so that is uh, this weekend, and you were fresh off of uh, Star Wars, and you told me that was a, a porg. Yeah, see, porg. I just don't know. And I How much do you want to know about the history of it? Well, I'll monitor our viewership if I see it spiking, and then if I see it declining, I'll go, okay, cut off on the porg. Okay, real quick. <laughs> Star Wars filmed the Skellig Michael off the coast of Ireland. I like that. I'm yeah. interested now as an Irish it's, guy. Yeah, Skellig Michael is amazing. I don't know how much you know about it. Not but much. You can much. see it off the coast of Dingle, the Dingle Peninsula. I'm familiar with that. Dingle's incredible. All right. Um, there's a pub there called Foxy John's. Foxy John's. Foxy John's. Foxy? Yeah, John was Foxy. Right. It's a hardware store during the day, pub at night. Really? It's amazing. You the know. zoning on that. <laughs> it's, it's great. <laughs> they just roll the tools back and pull out the draft. It's, it's, I watched the NFC Championship there once. Did you really? Yeah. Did they know what was going on? Or was well, just watching like cricket? The agreement was that if I came and explained it to them, what was going on that I could... Oh, really? Is that right? Yeah. So, good time. But anyway, off the coast of Dingle, you can see, um, you can see Skellig Michael, and it's this amazing, magical, out-of-this-world, like, fantasy island. Like, if you were to say, yeah, that's where hobbits live. That's, that's Skellig Michael. And uh, they film Star Wars there, um, the Jedi Temple and everything. Um, but into the screen, or into the shots all the time came the Puffins who lived on Skellig Michael. And so they're like, how do we, what do we do with these puffins? You can't have puffins in the Star Wars universe, so they created porgs. Porgs. And that is what is on Derek's shirt today. Yep. Mine is simply the Missouri Tiger. So the viewership spike was that. Incredible. That was Derek, all for Trent, right here. by the way. Here you go. More yeah. porg talk. Patrick Donnelly. <laughs> there we go. More porg talk. Uh, guys, can we get a traffic report on the Moustakas Avenues? Oh, yes. Thank you. That was from TMA this morning. You wanted to go yeah. down Moustakas Avenue. I yeah. think that's what you asked. Uh, well, I, I had to qualify Moustakas. Yeah, it was Cat. Cat oh, was, was the Cat? Yeah, he was getting Usually, usually when I think of sparring on the Ryan Kelly morning after when Derek's on the appliances kind of phone lines, it's usually with Doug. And sometimes you'll go back and forth with Frank, so I'm surprised you were sparring. I don't know, sparring. It's probably too strong. Shadow boxing with the cat on Moustakas Avenue, Moustakas Boulevard. Moustakas Turnpike. No, I like that. Yeah, we're near the turnpike here. And it's costly. Yes, it is costly. It is. Yeah. 
So, Moustakas, for the record, that isn't something that's going to be happening. The cat was asking about Carpenter's back. He and was. That would be a cause and effect. Right. Well, and you're I was fresh off the Roger Dean Stadium. Did you see any Matt Carpenters today? Uh, Matt Carpenter, yes. Saw Matt Carpenter today. Not Matt Carpenter playing baseball right. no, or anything. Um, Matt Carpenter doing any baseball activities, no. And depending on who you ask is how close he is. You know, running. Um, he did, then uh, then didn't. Um, He's, he wants to edge towards baseball activities, but edge towards means edge towards, not, you know, cannonball dive. Right. So I did ask uh, Matheny today, what's the track here? I mean, last year, a year ago at this time, it was a lot preventative. It was, hey, this is a problem, but it could radiate into a larger problem. It could become an oblique. It could become an injury that sidelines him for a while. Address it now. Prevent it now. Move on. I said, is that where you are now, or are you actually addressing, like, pain? He said, there is a pain element here. So, um, you know, it's not entirely preventative. Yes, every injury, and he made a point, too, that maybe my question could have been better, is he said, well, every time you're working on something like this, it's preventative. Right. He said, but there's a pain element to this. So, as you can imagine, people are concerned about that. I'm also anxious to get your perspective on Adam Lainwright's first start of spring training, and we welcome you both on Twitter, at Team McKernan, on Periscope, and on the Tim McKernan Show Facebook page to oh, yeah. submit your questions. Yeah, it's all over the place. And it's all presented by Design Air Heating and Cooling. They are the number one train dealer in the Midwest. I hear it's getting warmer in St. Louis, and by the end of this month, it should start getting warm to the point where you'll think about your air conditioning. When that time comes, please make sure that you go online at designairservice.com. Remember this lovely logo here, and do business with the number one train dealer in the Midwest, Design Air Heating and cooling online at designerservice.com. I am a client. Derek has done business with Designer Heating and Cooling. Cat and Doug have done business with them as well. They do great work. Uh, when we finished our basement last year, they came over and set up our air conditioning down there. It's Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designerservice.com. Submit your questions for the Q&A. Usually Derek is on Tuesday, but he was on the Gulf side for the Cardinals three-game trip against the Twins, Red Sox. And Orioles. Let's start with today. The Twins are over here on the Atlantic side today. Adam Wainwright, how did it go? Uh, all right. All right. I mean, a lot of walks. Uh, had two walks in the trouble. first inning. Two walks in the first inning. A double to the leadoff hitter. Um, you know, settled in. I think command was a real, I mean, not I think. It was obvious. Command was a real thing that he had to find. Um, made some, several good pitches. Sort of one of those, like, um, you know, like he's just is an escape artist kind of outing where, all right, bind him up, throw him in the in the in the vat of water, you know, close it all up and see if he can get out. Yeah. You know, oh, he's Adam Wainwright, he can get it out, you know, because he's got the curveball and got through a really nice cutter, I believe it was. It was a nice cutter to get, you know, to kind of free himself of some trouble late and ended the first inning with a 90 mile an hour fastball that was taken for a strike three by Kenny Vargas, who's no slouch, um, very good hitter when it comes to awareness of where pitches are and everything. As Michael Walker found out, yeah. whereas Vargas just kind of spit on his changeup the other day. Um, you know, and then the second inning went better. Um, five, six times, 90 plus, touched 91, 89 to 91, actually 89 to 90, real consistently with his fastball. Uh, changeup Looked pretty good. Um, curve was flipping, um, trying to play off the high fastball is something that he's working on. Uh, so I think it, I think it was a, it was very much out on the tightrope, but uh, but found his balance eventually, and then went through through a lot of pitches. He threw you know about twenty 
24 pitches in the first inning, 25, 26 pitches, through 50, 47 pitches overall. So I think that, that was a little bit of a surprise that they would have him launch right into it. Right. He's been doing extended bullpens, so um, he was ready for it. Um, but he saw the kind of fatigue a little bit, especially as that first inning got into the mid-20s. That, that's not ideal to right start right off. Because the goal was two innings and approximately yeah. 25. Well, no, apparently the goal was 50. Otherwise, they wouldn't have let him go. So he um, went He went like it was his second time, okay. which was not advertised. And then that, that's not like something that was hidden. It just was was not something that was advertised. Um, if we had asked, I'm sure they would have told us. Uh, a couple questions already coming in outside of Wainwright today. One of the things I'm looking forward to getting your perspective on is what we're seeing from some of these position players. We talked on the, on the radio show this morning, but we'll revisit it here yeah. in more detail on some of the young position players who are performing. Uh, Andy Miller says, Jose Martinez is still raking. Mm-hmm. Does he get a fair shot? But at... I, you know, I kind of looked at the question and I thought to myself, well, I think he's going to get a shot, but maybe there is. He's on the major league team. Right. Yeah, yeah, he's on the major league team. I suppose perhaps I will try to uh, extrapolate from the question, does he get a higher percentage of at-bats than perhaps otherwise? I mean, you got Carpenter right now. Yeah, I mean, he's the starting first baseman today. Yeah. As of right now, he is the starting first baseman for the team, which is what... Cat was really talking about was where's the left-handed element there. That's that's a fair point. Um, they wanted Carpenter to move around to third and to second some, not so much second all that much, but to third some to make room for Jose Martinez. I mean that that's something that comes straight from Bill DeWitt Jr. Chairman saying this is a guy who should get more at bats, and then you know John Moselak, President of Baseball Operations, says this is a guy who should get more at bats, and Mike Matheny said this is a guy we're going to find more at bats for. So. Um, that's that's a hat trick of people who make decisions deciding this guy should get more at bats, and you know it, it'll be at first base, someone in the corners. They really they they're really hoping for you know four position players, um, really five position players when you think about it. Five position players getting um, you know bulk of the work, 130 games mm-hmm. at those five positions. They want to see 140 games from each of their outfielders. They probably want to see 130 to 140 games from, you know, Paul DeYoung at shortstop. And Colton Wong, I would imagine if they could get 162 games from him, yeah. they'd be all right with that. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, they'll give them time to rest and everything like that. But, you know, if they're going to play one guy or two guys, you know, just constantly, it's going to be Wong and Azuna, you figure, because those are the guys that they want mm-hmm. in those spots. Um, so so it his first spot, uh, Cardinal home run today? Uh, it has not landed. It, it was crushed. It was crushed yeah. um, against the left-handed pitcher, which is of note because uh, he didn't exactly hit left, lefties all that powerful last year. Uh, I, hit, I mean, power. He hit him, but for power. You know, it's, it's funny. The first time we sat down, we did this outside and had some wind issues, so ideally the sound is much better now that we are Inside, one of the people questions. have to hear us and go, nah, go back to the wind. <laughs> go back to the wind, Tim. But uh, people are asking, what position players that we aren't necessarily familiar with major league level are guys that could have an impact? And what I think would be considered at this point characterized as a positive as so far, again, super early, but so far they have seen some results from some guys who uh, are making at least conversation pieces. Yeah, the young outfielders stand out. I mean, you know, Mercado has three more hits today. I mean, he's just, he's a, 
he gets on base and he's already like I mean we we know him now and stole you know more than thirty bases led the Texas League in steals last year and and that wasn't an isolated event this guy likes to steal bases he he go he goes for third very very uh, very aggressively he said it's easier I talked to him about this he said he finds it's easier for him to steal third than second because no one's paying attention to him <laughs> so he just goes. Um, but uh, he's out there, and when he gets on base, you can kind of watch and go, golly, this is a guy who, yeah. who wants that base. And, um, you know, that can be important because Colton Long ought to be like that. You know, Tommy Pham, to a certain extent, is like that, but not like Mercado. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mercado, man, might as well, like, put on, like, one of those burglar masks. When he gets on base, and <laughs> goes, I'm going for it. You can try. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable to see it. Dos Garcia, Rosarena, they had the home runs against the Mets, and Play good defense. Um, you know, both are fast. Andolas Garcia has gotten two infield hits, um, has forced another air. I mean, this, this guy burns, especially from the right side of the box or right side of the plate. When you think about, you know, just that much farther to go, he can race. He's the guy who we talked about on the radio today. Yeah. I just think when you look at all these outfielders that are having strong springs so far, granted. They're getting a lot of playing time, and that's going to shrink over time as the regulars play more. Uh, Azuna has yet to play in left field. Fowler has yet to play uh, two games in three days. Um, you know, Tommy Pham has only played a couple times. So there's, there's playing time for the young guys in the outfield is going to shrink quite a bit. But when you look at each of them, they all have like a standout tool, let's say. Mercado's mm-hmm. is not just speed, but the ability to steal bases. And He's got a developing hit tool, and he is also a very good center fielder. Um, he's very good. Uh, Garcia, um, Garcia oh, I'm sorry, Rosarena has speed, strong arm, good good outfielder, um, and also kind of a developing average you know, hit tool. Garcia is the guy. Oh, O'Neal, let's go to O'Neal, has the power yeah. that stands out. Uh, good enough to play all three spots in the outfield. Not sure that you would turn center field over to him like, say, you would Randall Gritchick, um, but but elite power tool. Um, then you look at Garcia, and Garcia kind of has all the bases, all the tools covered, and is slightly above average in all of them. He doesn't have the great spike like O'Neill has in power or like Mercado has in steals or Rosarena has in maybe average um, and on-base percentage. But he has sort of the best balance of, of above-average tools, and I find that very intriguing. And then we didn't even talk about Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader, right. who is, uh, you know, might have the, like the, the strong average, um, like a Rosarena, um, probably as just a notch below defensively Mercado. So, you know, you talk about that, but he, again, you know, he has the spikes. Um, Garcia has sort of the everything covered. Bader's probably the next closest when you talk about having the best balance of the group. Is this a, a pleasant surprise for the Cardinals, or was this where they thought these guys would be at this point? I mean, guys, where they thought they would say, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, with the for the for the for the for the Cardinals who know knew them, like mind you, like the major league staff, um, this might be like, oh, this is a pleasant surprise right. for Willie McGee. He'd be like, I, I told you, you know, yeah. Mercado can play, you know, yeah. Garcia can play, or Stubby Clapton can go, yeah, that's what this guy is, um, but. For the front office and for the evaluators and those guys, this this is where they thought they I think from a fan standpoint, it's a pleasant surprise just because those are names that aren't necessarily household names. The casual fan, the arms, however, were at the start of uh, spring training names we were hearing quite a bit about, even though we hadn't seen a lot of them. 
uh, in, in St. Louis. Right. So, so far, how are those young arms performing? Um, I think uh, mercurially. Is that a word? Oh, I like that. Is that I, mean, I they're, like that. They're if we had graphics, it would like flash up like Pee-wee's Playhouse right uh-huh. now, and, <laughs> yeah. and Cherry would be going bat crap. That would be great. That's yeah, a reference that no one else got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I specialize in. like demographic younger. Skewed younger. That's what I need to use. Is that yeah. Are you talking about the dad from Batman Returns? <laughs> I was in Sarasota yesterday, so that How are even, Sarasota? that's even a deeper nuanced reference then. Well, now now what's going on with Sarasota? Is that where it was based on? No, that's where he was caught. Ah, good for you for bringing that up. If anybody was going to bring that up, I bet a lot of action would have been on me, but instead it was you with the well, porg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the porg. Um, I believe that, yeah, it was in Sarasota. Um, the... Uh, well, so you, you brought up the word yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all they're, they're, was they're over the top. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they have like Connor Green, right? A right. uh, couple uh, difficult outing. Pretty good today. Um, you know, John Gantz has been excellent. Uh, Josh Lucas has been excellent. Darian Gonzalez has been flawless. Um, you know, uh, Jack Flaherty, one good outing. One not very good pitch to a really good hitter in Manny Machado. Yeah. Um, you know, let's see. Walker, very good. I'm not sure you can. Helsley, uh, good. Jordan Hicks, haven't seen recently. Um, you yeah, know, there was a question yeah, here. Yeah. What's going on with Hicks? Yeah, he uh, he has not pitched, so he's been slowed down a little bit. No reason has been given clearly. Um, but uh, but yeah, he was skipped um, when the plan was for him to uh, appear. So he, uh, um, was, you know, that's. They're going to be ultra cautious with these guys. Uh, like you haven't seen, we just saw Tyler Lyons today, for example, for the mm-hmm. first time. So some of these guys who any like any Lyons, Jerko, Wainwright, those three days, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, Hudson uh, had a tricky outing on the uh, on the road trip, mainly because like this guy, I mean, he's a little like I'm trying to think of who to describe him. Remember there were times where it's like Jaime Garcia, right? It's like, well, that guy has the stuff to throw out a no-hitter. He also has the stuff to walk 11 guys because of the movement. Hudson has a little bit of that going on. Remember that start that Carlos Martinez had last year in Yankee Stadium where you're just like, what is going on? There wasn't a ball put in play. It was the most bizarre, what, 50-some-odd pitches in. There hadn't been a ball put in play. It was the most bizarre game I'd covered in a long time. Walks and strikeouts. Hudson had that kind of game where it was like he had no clue what the movement on his pitch was going to do. And neither did Carson Kelly. There were times where Carson was like, you know, boxing at, at it and mm-hmm. just trying to figure it out. So he had a, a very wily start, let's say, where just no, no, no control over his pitches, which is like, oh, we got to get control of those pitches. But also, holy cow, you can make that kind of movement yeah. on your pitches. Yeah. So, um, sort of, uh, you know, something to watch for because of the excitement of the movement, but he has to rein it in a little bit. Um, let's see, who else would there be? That about covers it. Well, you did not I mean, he doesn't necessarily fall into the categories we are familiar with. I mean, we've seen him at the Major League level, but that's Alex Reyes. You have a piece on the post-dispatch. I and know, and Rick Hummel. Rick Hummel, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. About how Mike Matheny's not even allowing himself to watch. Yeah, and so is Mike Maddox. Um, so Maddox told me that he, uh, he came down here to Florida to watch, um, you know, just to be around and to get to know the organization and everything like that. 
and he saw Alex Reyes throw a bullpen, and he goes, I can't watch that too soon. I'd want it too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he was like, I, I gotta, I gotta step aside. It's not, he's not, he's not there for us yet. He's not there for us. And then he kind of echoed that today, saying, look, he's on the trainer's program, not on the manager's program. You don't want to get out there and go, ah, oh, this is exciting. This is exciting. And have that as your earworm while you're trying to make a roster decision. You make a roster decision with who you have available, and he's not available. So yeah. I'll, I'll wait for him to show up when he's available. Uh, we got this from Chris Dunn. I think I we need to done. send you. Hello, Chris. We I think we need to send you guys some some sunscreen. I can't imagine. First off, you can't even see me under the beard. I don't really feel like you look sunburned. But I mean, are we coming off? Is the, the meme? I don't. Know, I'm looking at it. I, think, I mean, let me tell you something. I look as pasty and white as normal. So I don't know. Chris, I don't know. Maybe there's bad tinting going on. Uh, I figured this one would come up. It's from Steve Pace in the Facebook Live uh, chat. Any possible free agent signings for the Cardinals in the works? You've been asked this for, I think, what, 16 years? <laughs> uh, but specifically yeah. here over the last couple of weeks, as some guys still are out there. I saw there was, was John Heyman who was talking about Lance Lynn and the Phillies. Am I right on that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, anything rumbling? No. Pitch out? Nobody going? No. Couple, a uh, couple minor league signings probably coming. I mean, don't be shocked. I mean, I guess they'll be looking for a left-handed bat. That's that's one area. And where would that? Possibly come from at this point. Um, I saw your tweet about Lucas Duda and the Royals. And, uh, oh, I didn't. Yeah, just I was reading Bahe Gregorian's yeah. story about uh, Lucas Duda going to the uh, going to the Royals and having this interview, and right over his right shoulder was the World Series trophy, and just this odd juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. And Lucas Duda, who's throwing air, was capitalized on by Eric Hosmer to win the World Series, is now replacing Eric <laughs> right. in Kansas City, and. Um, I, I thought that was a nice, and you know, it's a little bit, I, I just wrote on Twitter that it reminded me in uh, 2012 um, what that was like when uh, when Carlos Beltran walked into the same clubhouse as Adam Wainwright, yeah. and it's like, what is going to happen? Yeah. You know, what, what, what how is this going to work? That is and it was, it was interesting. I mean, I spent a lot of spring talking to both guys about that and wrote, eventually wrote a story once kind of Carlos either trusted me or trusted the topic or wanted to... So what did he say? He said he watched the video... Once. He went back next day. The next day? Literally the next day? Literally the next day. He went back and watched the replay of it. What did he have to say about it? I couldn't have done anything different. He said it just was a pitch I'm never going to swing at. I'm always going to take. And he put it where I couldn't hit it. That's something that's probably not discussed enough. Like the fact that He's taking it all the time because he just knows I, I can't hit it. Yeah. And one of the things that I always thought was interesting is it, it's it's it speaks to his savvy as a hitter. And yet, if he if he had swung wildly like uh, a, a less elite hitter would do, somehow that would be like, well, Paul Bunyan at least swung the yeah, 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 yeah. you know. But because he's so good, and he goes, I can't do anything with that. And knows that he's like vilified uh, for a while. Yeah. I thought, I thought, well, if anything, you know, his skill as a hitter kept the bat there, as opposed to just wildly swinging for something yeah. he'd never have a chance at. I, 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 uh, I had an interesting time putting that story together, and it was actually, um, I went. There was a time in that spring where I went home for four days. Got to go home to St. Louis for four days. And I remember I went back and timed and tracked every 
pitch that Beltran saw in that whole series. Like I went oh my through because because Wainwright told me that he watched every one of Beltran's at bats and was trying to pay attention to how he reacted to sequencing and everything like that, and that that played into his confidence in what he was throwing there. And he said we watched him do this with the first pitch, and we knew that if he got this for the first pitch, you know that he, you know, just how quickly he was trying to stay ahead of the count and ambush, um, you know. But if you got to this point in the count, he was going to take the next pitch, and you knew it. Mm-hmm. And um, and sure enough, and I went back through every pitch that Beltran saw in that series because um, I had it on on DVD, and I and I watched. Do you remember what DVDs are? I do remember what they are. So I'm buried under my bed upstairs. Yeah. So uh, so I went back and watched it all, and I had this yellow legal sheet of paper with every pitch, oh, what it yeah. was, the, the the count, the speed who threw it, and just trying to understand, like, what what Wainwright was processing as he was on that mound. I was at a point in 2006 when Adam Wainwright got two strikes on a hitter in September and October that I was just like, it's inevitable he's about to either get frozen by a breaking ball or swing. So it'll either be the Beltron last out yeah. or it'll be the Brandon Inch last out. That's right. Either way, once it was two strikes, it so, was over. That's the way that it was for him yeah, at that point. That's the way it was, and you know, it's, it's interesting we're talking about it today. You know, I was at, I asked Matheny today, who does he know that could just flip curves? Like, just go up there and flip curves, and, and guys would have to get used to what to take and what to not take. But the, you know, how often are they going to get They'll hit a mistake. Right. But how right. often are they going to get a good one? And, you know, he was talking about how Daryl Kyle had that kind yeah. of curve from the left side. And, um, you know, he, he was talking about how a few other guys, you know, they had – curves um, that they could manipulate, like, you know, you could throw a difference. That's one thing he said about... Did he bring up Ankyo? Ankyo was the other one. Okay. So he said one from the right, one yeah. from the left. He, he said uh, he said Ankyo had the only curve that he could hear oh, in the stadium of 4,000 yeah. on the Snapdragon sizzle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which you could. I mean, we got to... This is eons ago, but we got to stand pretty close during the live VP, and you could, you, you could hear that. I mean, it was like it was like a wasp dive bombing for a stink. <laughs> That's what that curveball was like. I mean, he was like, <laughs> and like, what just happened? Um, but then you have the uh, then you have the guys who manipulate the curveballs, like Kyle um, and uh, and and Wainwright, who you know they can apply pressure here, apply pressure there, throw it seventy-seven, throw it sixty-four, right. throw it to this right. spot, throw it to that spot. You know, Wainwright's going to have to do some of that this year. Um, we saw that last year when he uh, when he didn't have the velocity or the feel for his fastball. We saw, I mean, he would pitch backwards. Yes, yeah. We are, we're getting all kinds of questions coming in here. Good to see people joining in. This is the live for spring training show presented by Design Air. Heating cooling online at designerservice.com. Some of Kermit Derek Gould with you. Even if you miss part of it, the thing stays up on Facebook, stays up on Periscope, on Twitter, and then we put it up on the Tim McCurdy Show podcast feed on iTunes, so there's all kinds of access for it. Uh, Jeffrey Niehaus asking any update on Matt Carpenter. We spent probably the first four or five minutes of it with an update on Matt Carpenter. So, Jeff, that's where you can uh, get the details from Derek, who saw him today but not playing. Love the pork shirt. Well played, Aaron Johnson. This is a hit. It looks like, oh, no, no, it looks no. like you're winning. 2-1. Yeah, you're going to go 2-1 on the, uh, on the shirts. Yeah. Uh, Tim, uh, Derek, spring training venue with the best french fries. There's no See, question. 
oh, where are you going? This is going to be good. No, there's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not even close. It's I Arcane Grill and Wings. Oh, I bet it's right up the street from here. We've gotten, it like three, fries. we've gotten it a few times. Man, I think my father-in-law got it the last fries. night. Yeah. Well, I went to Leftovers last night. Oh, that's a great place. That's my favorite restaurant. And I got the steak fries, and I was very happy. Oh, and I got a burger the there. I got a burger there. It's a seafood plan, but we're talking as if, you know, like I realize 95% of the people. But I do. Dan McLaughlin, I the other night, gave restaurant recommendations. I feel like I give them daily when people DM yeah, me. Yeah, Leftovers is the Leftovers is a nice play. Yeah, I'm a Rocco's Tacos guy. I was in the woods. This evening. I have been to the woods. I find it to be more ambiance than quality of food, but I only have one meal. But that's where Justin Thomas went to celebrate his win Sunday. It's where Fowler went. Obviously, it's Tiger Woods' place up in Jupiter. Yeah, which explains why I didn't go back, probably. Yeah, it's kind of like a, like one of a, like a chic thing. Uh, I don't really my scene. I don't, I don't really day. go to places where I walk in and all the heads snap and go, why are you here? <laughs> you, know? you rolled into the woods with <laughs> yeah. the porn. Yeah, well, I mean, even that. You know, I wear the usual uniform, you know, the polo, khaki, whatever, but... If I wore a, I mean, I just walk into a place and they're like, you're not from, you know, <laughs> you know I, I, I mean, when I went there twice, I went there twice last year, last year, over the last few years, I've been there yeah. twice, and the food's fine. That's um, solid, that's I, how I describe it. Solid, yeah, the food no, is solid, the taco was, uh, the tacos were really good, I think Indeed. I got shrimp or fish tacos. A sneaker place is Reef Grill, it that doesn't look, very good. you know, okay, I figured you did. Yeah, you know, Hog Snappers is where we went, went with there, uh, uh, cyclists. And his oh life. yeah, for that big fan, that's a, well, there's two, there's one in Queston, there's one which is Lord a little more. Uh, so I would recommend, there's our restaurant recommendations, big time, and I really would recommend people coming down here, I can't recommend the trip. Enough and uh, PGA National is a great place to say. Plus, you saw the Honda Classic. Thirty-eight percent. The ratings went up for the Honda Classic this week. I can't Sunday. imagine why. You, you, maybe with the gentleman in red on, <laughs> yeah, the on, tiger on Sunday. Uh, if you were the GM of the Rays, what package of players would you ask of the Cardinals for Archer, given your knowledge of the Cardinals farm? That's from Aaron Johnson. I know that's the kind of question you might not necessarily like asking or answering. I don't. But mind. he did just. Compliment the porg, so I feel like... No, I don't mind answering okay. that. Okay. Because it's kind of KMOX Sports Open Line-ish. No, no, that's not... I disagree. I wow. Mean, I think Aaron... As opposed to saying, what about Bohart and study that Clap right, or Alex Aaron goes... Because a lot of the questions I get are off... Not a but the trade questions I get are like, why didn't the Cardinals package these three players from low A and get Mike Trout? Because you know they could. <laughs> I like the you know, supposition on the end. Right, right. And, and it's like, any way I answer that, I'm a jerk. Because, I'm like, because I couldn't respond like, well, actually, I don't know they would do that. And then they go, well, you don't have the same sources I do or the same intelligence I do. I'm like, or I could go, no, those aren't the players that they're looking for. Star Wars. And... <laughs> Then I come across as like uh, a, a, someone in the in the chat, for example, once, and I'll get to Aaron's question. Someone in the chat once wrote in and wrote in multiple times, like nine times, so I'd be sure to see it. You're such a know-it-all, and I'm like, <laughs> man, you came to the chat to ask me questions. <laughs> like if we were just talking in person, I wouldn't talk the same way. But you're asking me questions. Don't you expect me to know it? And what am I supposed to you, say? You and Gabe, it's the Gabe Yarman, are, are fighting the same kind of like Missouri fans get really irritated with Gabe. But Gabe has, I've known Gabe since 98. Oh, I'm no longer. Have you? 
We were both, we were all in journalism school together. You guys have actually that done something with it. I don't know what I'm doing. Or a student, uh, yeah, student outreach. Student outreach. That was his, uh, oh, really? One really? When he was in high school, came to campus. Ah, well, because I did that. Ah, Mike, I'm a former Kansas yeah. Star guy yeah. and Mizzou fan. But Gabe has that kind of, he like kind of likes, you know, being a dick, if I may say. And, and I think he would pride himself on that. I will, I will allow Derek to distance himself from the comment. But that's the, <laughs> Colonel, that's the Colonel's kind of, uh, modus operandi. But it's like when I saw the Chris Rock routine, he's like, you're going to yell at me for what I tweeted, but you're the one who came to my house and followed me on Twitter. Yeah. So if you come to my chat. You come to the chat and ask me a question, and then I answer it, and the response is, you're such a noise. <laughs> what? What? It's a chat. It's a I have, I have, this is what I have. This is what the purpose of it is, is for me to, to answer you with what I know. It's not... Ah, well, Aaron has a question. So, Aaron, I like the question because his point is what would make that possible? Right. And that's a great question. Is there anything is that would make, make it possible? Because he's not judging. Because the answer is it wouldn't be palatable. Because if you are going to trade for Chris Archer at this point, you Rays are going to want Chris Archer in return. So, who do the Cardinals have who is Chris Archer younger and under more control? A guy named Alex Reyes. Okay, well, Cardinals are going to trade that. So who do the Cardinals have next that is Chris Archer and under control? Jordan Hicks might be Chris Chris Archer. Mm-hmm. You know, he might be the closer of the future. He might be, I mean, watch him pitch. I mean, there are elements of his game that are Chris Archer with 102 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so they would want him. Um, so you, you know, some way to look at this is somewhat like what the White Sox do, right, or did. And I'm pretty sure they still do. Um, is they'll talk like we want two top 50s and depth. Uh, we want two top 25s, depth. We want your top two prospects and someone in the top 15. You know, they talk in those kind of ranking terms, right? So if you go along those lines and you look at what they got, what the White Sox got in exchange for Chris Sale, they got the top prospect in the game for Chris Sale. Yeah. Um, and Chris Archer, what, slightly a tick below? Um, yeah. Chris Sale, oh, yeah. yeah, or two ticks yeah, below, yeah, right? Okay, okay. good call. But still, you could argue that they would say, we want a top 10 prospect. Mm-hmm. And we want the best, the, your best, we want the second best or first best pitching prospect in the game. And which also, by the way, the White Sox got free. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's entirely reasonable for the Rays to go, that's what those two guys move for. This is the kind of friendly contract our guy has. That's the kind of performance our guy has. We want your best. So it's going to be Reyes and one of the best outfielders and Hicks. I mean, it's it's not it's going to hurt. It would hurt. Yeah. I we discussed it in one of our first uh, live from spring trainings, and I said this was right after the Odorizzi trade, mm-hmm. and I said because a lot of people were asking, I was wondering too, does this mean now that Archer? Would be going. Well, you said it's actually counterintuitive. Yeah. But just for the record, that hasn't changed in the last couple of weeks. Not that I've, yeah. you know, I've had a chance to catch up with, you know, on the West Coast and everything like that. Just kind of thought, hey, have, have, we haven't seen any action. Mm-hmm. And if Archer was going to move, you would see teams lining up. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would be, he and Machado would be the two players that the, the game would line up to try to trade for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been told multiple times that um, people have wanted to trade for Archer. It's very difficult to make a trade with the 
raise, as we know, as we've talked about in the past. And um, they do that on purpose. You know, they want to win trades. They got to win trades, and they feel that that's necessarily necessary in their market. Um, to pull off an archer trade, they would want a jackpot. You know, you know. And so, if you know, and teams would line up to have that discussion, but uh, but you haven't seen that that feeding frenzy yet. Uh, regarding uh, this, uh, Sam Banks. Uh, said, so why did the Orioles announcers say yesterday that the Cardinals aren't issuing the number 49 because the Cardinals oh, still yeah, believe yeah, yeah. they're going to get Jake Arrieta? What do you guys think of that? That's the same, reason, same reason I heard recently that uh, announcers were uh, um, saying Josh Lucas was in the running for closer. I don't know the reason for this. What is this? What is the, what is the, I don't know the reason for that either. Yeah. I just, I know that I don't know. It's spring training for the broadcaster. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yeah, 49 is open. And I do know that, and this is maybe where it is, is a game of telephone. I do know that that was like chatter in the press box or chatter around the thing like, oh, how convenient that they have the number waiting for him. Yeah. And his groomsman is there waiting for him. And, you know, all those things. I mean, you can connect the dots. You know, maybe that is why they kept 49 open. Seems silly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's not like they couldn't take 49 back from somebody right. to give it to him. Speaking of numbers, I, I would imagine he's running around camp in the 51. The 51 yes. has not been worn since Bud Smith Correct. wore it for a brief time. Correct. Cardinals got a backlash, and then Smith went to 52. He was wearing 52 when he threw the no-hitter. That is correct, ago. yes. Uh, so 51's is kind of unofficially yes. retired? Yes. Now, uh, there are a handful of won't come off the rack numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, a few numbers only come off the rack for the right guy kind of stuff, like 25 was like that. Um, remember, they, they tried to talk Troy Gloss into wearing 25 because it hadn't been worn since McGuire, um, and he said, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> so he wore eight. Um, 25 was not worn by a player until Fowler. Um, it was first worn by McGuire when he returned as coach, and then worn by David Bell. Oh. Um, but uh, but 25, you know, uh, 32 was the same way, I remember, until Dan Johnson, I believe, right? Uh, no, uh, not Dan Johnson, Rob Johnson. Rob Johnson wore it as the backup catcher, mm-hmm. um, you know, 32 for Hancock, right. and then um, off the market. So 51-5. Um, actually, some of the guys were talking about this the other day during BP. It was like numbers that will never be worn again. Five, four, uh, you know, and uh, 51 is in there. I'm trying to think. 57? Oh, 57 will never be worn. Yeah, yeah. good call there. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what they do with 18 once Carlos. If Carlos isn't wearing 18, I would imagine they'll put it back in circulation. Um, You know, but four will never be worn by anyone else again. And when they... If whenever it becomes officially retired, um, whenever that is, be interesting to see if they do it for two players at the same time, or if eventually they uh, put it on there for um, you know. I mean, Fernando Vina was wonderful. No, 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 for uh, Cash Dog, for Roger Hornsby, uh, um, or for um, Medwick. Right, Medwick was uh, four and seven, I think. Okay. My history, I'm trying to remember, but if they do it for. Uh, They'll do it for Molina, but if they kind of sell the nod, that they 
should have done yeah, that a while back. Right, right, right. Uh, um, 11 is another one. You know, you don't, that the person who wears that has to usually get a nod of approval, um, like Paul DeYoung last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shifted this year. I'm trying to think. There's another. Steve Piscotti's wearing 25. I saw that tweet. Isn't that uh, fascinating? He's wearing 25 with the Oakland A's. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. I'm a little, I was surprised to see that pop up in my timeline about now. Yeah. I was, I'm shocked that I didn't put the, I mean, I guess seeing it is what did it. Yeah. You, know, you look at a roster enough times, but to see an A's jersey with 25 on it. Right. That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, good for him. That's who he grew up cheering. Right, 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 right. You know, so. I kind of thought, I, fi- I kind of figured out there that that would be retired. I guess I kind of did too. Yeah. But, you know, his 70 was with the Cardinals. Right. But, you know, his rookie record was with the A's. His championship was with the A's. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, so, and when I saw that, I'm like, oh, I thought that was retired, but I guess yeah. obviously it's not. Uh, let's see, a bunch of questions are coming in. That's good. We'll right. people ask the questions here in the Q&A, uh, and you are welcome to do so. Uh, Derek is the GM. This comes from Brian Moe. Uh, all run in fear. <laughs> what one move? Press conferences would be great. <laughs> ah, I would like that. Would you still let Calvin May lead off? Uh, for the GM press conference? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, man, I'm already going to be calling for your head. But, but I would uh, I would request that I get to choose. <laughs> <laughs> Derek is the GM. What move, one move solidifies this team slash lineup, and what would be the price you'd pay for said player, or is this team multiple moves away in his mind? That's a, I, like, I like this question. I think that's a good question. The answer is a pitcher, a pitcher of some type, uh, and uh, – um, there are still pitchers available. We mentioned Arietta. Um, you know, the uh, Lance Lynn is still there. Uh, a lot of the guys that would help him in the bullpen are gone, I think. And they're just from looking at it. I mean, I know people probably going go, Holland! Right. <laughs> it's like Mel Gibson at the end but, of Braveheart. Uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, well, I was going for Streetcar Named Desire. I, you know, if it's if it's made before different strokes, I'm... Gary okay. yeah, Coleman started, started me off right. I'm oh, sorry. Tennessee Williams. <laughs> yeah, I Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman, Todd Briggs, I think. All right. Um, <laughs> my audience. Anyway, um, so I know people shout that. And uh, the, um, you know, I just, you know, I'm trying to think through, and not one that leaps off, but there are still pictures out there that, like, would solidify this team in a lot of different ways. Um, what would I pay for it? I would pay as much AAB and as few years as possible. Okay. Do you think at all? I mean, I'm sorry, as much AAB as necessary to get as few years possible. That's what I meant. Yes. Do you think there is a even percentage of a chance that the Cardinals are intrigued? Not intrigued, because that's an automatic yes. Would sign Jay yes. Wow. Yeah. I think there is a risk to call. Well, no. no. Wow. Okay. Why the difference? This is good. This is good. I think uh, I think the term is the difference. Um, I think the change is the difference. I think you know what would move the needle in Lance Lynn's direction is if they are convinced they need a starter as opposed to want a I starter. See. I see. Um, with Arietta, it could be I want a starter. Um, you know, I mean, big weekend up coming up. Um, you know, because of Michaelis. You know, big, you don't want to put too much stock in spring starts, um, but you know you got Michaelis and Norris and you know Flaherty. I mean, who's who's going to emerge as the guy who's moving in the right direction? 
um, if needed, or one of them is certainly needed for the fifth rotation or fifth spot in the rotation. And uh, like I said, you don't want to put too much stock in it, but at least you want to see forward progress. And you know that that could you know they they have gone out in the middle of March and gotten a guy before, right. and that's still that's still part of what's your that's still part of the play here. That that's still a Mosaic special. Yeah, you know that his that his his idea and the Cardinals' approach is there's always pitching. There will always be pitching. It might not always be at the price you want. They're always pitching, and they're still pitching. Do you think there, that Arietta's asking price has started to move? I haven't all? seen any indication of that because the uh, you know his agent has said that he has multiple year offers, four or five year offers, and um, you know and is choosing between them. So you haven't really seen any indication. That the, uh, the the term has changed. Mm-hmm. Lance Lynn, have you heard anything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the Phillies, right? The Mets. Um, you know, Washington is in play for both of these guys. When is when are the Brewers going to make their move yeah. for a pitcher? They need one. Um, and Odorizzi isn't it? We know that now. Yeah. So who are you going to make a move for? Right. And you know, it doesn't it doesn't appear like I said that it's going to be Archer. Um, so what's the where's the move? Because they're they're gonna get one, um, so is it Cobb? Is it Lynn? Is it uh, you know? Is it Arietta? The other one is the Orioles. The Orioles um, have been interested in Lynn, and they want to add a starter. And having seen that team play yesterday, they um, they need they need a starter. That lineup's pretty good. Uh, no, I know everybody wants to you know give the division over to the Yankees, and the Yankees are really good. And, um, they got fear factor in the middle of that lineup, unlike any team in baseball with Judge and Stanton, and that's going to be it's going to be a really it's going to be a really good team um, in a lot of ways. But the Orioles have a have a good lineup to win games, and they have a good ballpark to win games yeah, with runs. Style, yeah, yeah. But they have no pitching to hold anybody back. Yeah. You know, so they, I mean, they need somebody who can go be like an Arietta or a Lance Lynn, just bring balance to their kind of, their, their, their rotation. Uh, I'm not sure Lance Lynn at Camden Yards, he's had some really difficult, two of his worst starts have been there. Um, but a guy who gets, you know, gets things on the ground, who, who can give you six innings guaranteed, that, that'd be really good for that team. Questions, keep bringing them in. Lots are coming in, which is great. We'll continue to answer them here. Uh, Derek and I on uh, live from Spring Training, presented by Design, Air, Heating, Cooling. Another sponsor on our program is Triad Bank. When we were starting up our business, we went to Triad Bank. They are right there at Clayton and Lindbergh. And I know many of the people at Triad Bank, Jim Reagan, bank CEO, he sits right there, so he is not hitting some corner office. When you walk in, you see... Jim Regna, Tom Anstey is who we have done business with, as well. I know a lot of people there. So, if you are frustrated by your bank service, please go to triadbanking.com. As customers, not just me, but my family, my business, we can recommend them wholeheartedly to you. They're online at triadbanking.com. Put the impersonal customer service of the big banks to the side and do business with Triad Bank. Online at triadbanking.com. That's triad. Bank. I uh, just heard Hicks was sent down to the minor league camp. Any thoughts on yes, why this that's that, okay. Do they have an incentive to make rosters smaller? Now? No, they don't. Months? Okay, so yeah, he was working out with the minor league camp today. Okay. Um, the the I, 
didn't know the reason why. Um, I know that he was over there working out. They have the step camp in place. That's part of it now. So they don't have – so minor league camp hasn't started yet. So a guy can't move over, but the step camp has. Okay. So you have the top prospects over there, and that's where he's been. So okay. Sorry. That, yeah. Um, but the reason why or why he didn't pitch when he was scheduled has not been explained. Okay. Right. But, yes, he was – and I want to I put that very clearly. He was with the minor leaguers today. Step camp and minor league camp is not open yet. There's been no incentive to reduce um, the roster at okay. this point. Okay. And there's no transactions that take place at this point. So guy can, like him can go back and forth, not on the not on the roster. And they can put him over there just because of, hey, okay, this is where he's going to get the work. I saw him with Delvin Perez today, um, for example. For, uh, Delvin Perez, the, the former first round, and they were – they're headed over to the workout facilities, so just the structure of things over there will allow for a guy to get different work or different attention or go through all the classes that they have for the step kids. It's not just baseball stuff. So oh. um, that's what's going on. It's not uh, – minor league camp hasn't started yet. Got it, got so a guy can go back. Uh, Tim talks a lot about the Cardinals front office avoiding dead money deals by not overpaying for blockbuster free agents over the past few years. Do you see them making a run at any of the big names coming up in the off season of 2018-2019? Sure. They'll take a run at them. Who's going to say yes? I. That's exactly what I think about this. I'm just like, I, mean, I, I gather we're talking Harper, Machado. Kershaw. Kershaw is going to be even in play, but if he is, I, I just don't Kershaw see Kershaw will opt out. I'm yeah. Unless he's got, I, I, I can't. I don't know what scenario he wouldn't opt out. I guess, or in my mind, whether it's right or wrong, I just feel like he's going to opt out and the Dodgers are going to give him something insane and that's how that's going to play. Yeah. Out. That could be wrong. But let's play out Harper Machado just for the, the sake of the Donaldson in that group? Probably not. I wouldn't put him in that category. Okay. Uh, but, because I do wonder, which I know this is like the Insta, this is the, uh, this is the, the topic that gets everybody going, uh, what they're saving it for. But we did have the conversation, you know, just because you have money, you don't go and spend it. Well, let me put it this way. Just because you have money to offer doesn't mean the guy says yes. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a thing. That this is the thing. Yeah. I mean, and I know that people, and this is true for every fan base, they wonder why that guy doesn't want them. Um, why didn't the team, I got a question recently, I did, um, I did something like this. One of the questions was, you know, the assertion that the Cardinals think that the Cubs are going to win the division the next two years, so they are quietly scaling back payroll, um, conceding the division, and that this is all part of their strategy. To which I asked, what if Stanton says yes? Right. Where's that theory right. then? Right. You know? And so, so much of what the Cardinals have encountered over the last three years has little to do with their willingness to spend. That's what everybody's focused on. But that's a red herring. It, the problem is the player's not saying yes. What happened to that? Why, where did the Cardinals not be appealing enough to match or surpass another team's offer and have that player say yes? We're, we're seeing an age now where players have no trade clauses, they have opt-outs, they have more decisions than ever. And the counter to that is this chill that teams have had where they don't want to offer these long-term deals. They don't want to offer aging players this lock 
contract that then gets them in a bind because it's going to have a no-trade clause, because it might have an opt-out clause that doesn't do either any good. Right. So you see, these are forces that are counter that are counterproductive, right? And into this mix comes the Cardinals, who have sold the idea and, and won with it that they can trade and keep a guy. Trade for Roland, keep him. Trade for McGuire, keep him. Trade for Edmonds, keep him. Trade for Holiday, keep him. And why did each of those guys say they want to stay? You know, each of those guys either took extensions during the year or re-signed with the Cardinals as a free agent in Matt Holiday's right. case because they're like, I liked it there. I like the fans. And it feeds into this notion that everybody should like them. Well, why isn't that true anymore? One of the big reasons is the Cubs have gotten better. The Cubs have gotten more charismatic. The Cubs have gotten sexier as a team. Another big reason is every team has money. Every team. No matter what you see the tanker is doing, they have money. And that's the union's issue with this stuff. Now, not every team has the same amount of money, but every team has money. All of them got $50 million checks. They all chose not to use those $50 million checks on Lance Lynn so far, on, you know, on, uh, on Logan Morrison until recently. Okay, but when a team like the Cardinals is willing to spend that $50 million, or when that team like the Cardinals offers a player like Jason Hayward more than the Cubs, guaranteed more than the Cubs, maybe not total, or maybe not potential value, but guaranteed value more, when the Cardinals are willing to go to the limit that they can with a David Price, and then have the Red Sox go, we're going to give $40 million more than whatever you offer because we're the Red Sox. Um, and the players say no. It's the no that's the issue. It's not the spending that's the issue. And I honestly think like the fans should be angry about that. Why aren't you a more appealing team? What has happened? Is it the city? Is it the fact that you haven't been in the playoffs? What trappings make you less appealing than these other teams. Why didn't Giancarlo Stanton want to come? If it's because he wanted to be by the ocean, can't change the geography. Okay, find a different way to sell yourself. Then. If it's because he didn't think he could win with the Cardinals, well, change that perception. Yeah. That is something you can do. So, what, so what, what, you ask those questions. I think they're great questions. This is kind of a discussion. That's why the Stanton thing, even though it's at this point three months old, it fascinates me. Now, Stanton might have been an outlier, but you are seeing this more often. Hayward being an example, Price was financial, but, uh, and then and then Stanton, and that's what I would always try to get to on the discussion when we would be having it on the radio, is the why. And when you would yeah. have every podcast, is the why. When the you why. present the question, what is your theory? The well, I think the Cardinals have gotten less appealing. I think the Cardinals are in a spot where other teams have caught up, surpassed them, and they're just less appealing than they as an organization, so you're saying organization. the city, geography, well, out of the No, no, okay. I think that factors in. Okay. I just, it's a hard, you, you can't change geography. You can't change the size of St. Louis. You're not all of a sudden, for a guy who goes, I want to be in a big city with Madison Avenue, the Cardinals aren't going to be like, Great. we'll get you Madison Avenue. Right. We just had a lease on it, we're moving it here, <laughs> you know, um, you know, if if the player but wanted to include in Chicago, so it wasn't in Houston for that matter. But big surprise, he included the four right. Teams I, that yeah. were the final. But do you, do you think he was always New York Yankees? I think he, he was, was always New York Yankees and Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, I think he wanted to strong, and I think he played it well, and I think he let his agent know that he would 
could be swayed, but he wanted to strong arm the Marlins, and that's his right. Yeah. You know, he had the power to go where he wanted to go. And so the Cardinals have to go and get guys that don't have the power. You know, they have to go back to getting Marcelo Zuna and hoping that he really digs playing there after two years. Um, maybe this is the time it works. Um, you know, to a lesser example, look, Miles Michaelis had a lot of teams interested in him. Cubs for one, Orioles for another, handful of other teams. Um, he chose the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Why did he chose the Cardinals? Part of it could be because he wanted to have spring training at home. Yeah. You know, so the Cubs didn't, Cubs had spent more on Chatwood, didn't get Michaelis, we'll see how this goes. The Orioles didn't get Michaelis because he wanted to have spring training in his backyard. Guys make decisions, and if you, and some of them you can't change, some of the situations you can't change, but if you start looking around and going, hey, enough of these guys are making this decision, and it has nothing to do with beachfront property, what do you have to change to be more appealing? Or, what do you have to change about how you do business so that you don't rely on somebody saying yes or no? Go get the guys who can't. Final question before we uh, shut it down for this hour. Oh, we're just getting going. (laughs) I love that discussion. I love that discussion because that, to me, is a monster issue. It's a big macro issue out there. Uh, You mentioned the starts this weekend and how, even though it's only a second start, you kind of go, oh, God, Miles Michaels, what are you keeping an eye on? This week, Cardinals in Astros tomorrow, correct? No, Cardinals and Sox tomorrow. Cardinals and Astros. Uh, Cardinals in Atlanta on Saturday. That's right. Okay, so uh, what are you looking at uh, this weekend? You mentioned Michaelis. Uh, I mean, both guys, Martinez, Michaelis, fastball command. Um, Different reasons for their issues, but both of them sort of stem from that. You know, uh, Carlos was really rapid, jumpy, flying up, you know, um, flying through his delivery, not not really, you know, kind of like, um, almost agitated at times against the Mets, um, you know, but pitched around it because he's got great stuff. And Ken, uh, Miles Michaelis was kind of swinging, um, you know, towards first base, which is some of the things that he did not do in Japan, he was suddenly doing on the mound here. So that means he can fix it. I mean, he looked, you know, that this to me was watching him as like, that's not the guy that watched on the mound yeah. face hitters or throw bullpens. It just was different. Um, he was flying open. His arm was trailing behind him, and fastball was up and over the plate and crushed. Yeah. So it <clears throat> seems like a fix. I mean, you could identify. I, I'm, a, I'm just a baseball writer, and I could see from the press box um, what was happening. So it seems like a fix. It's a matter of whether or not he can maintain everything else that he needs and make that fix. Mm-hmm. So those two things, fastball command. You know, do you think there will be concern inside the Cardinal office if he has a number yes. of There will be. Yeah. yeah. Well, rough outing. It's So in spring, it's always the means, not the ends. Yes. So Carlos Martinez's line the other day, you read it and go, oh, not so bad. But we saw it. Happen. It was rough. Yeah. It was rough. Miles Michaelis, you look at his line, you go, oh, that's pretty rough. And it was rough. Mm-hmm. Um, not all lines are created equal in right. spring. So it's the means, not the ends. Um, so he can go out there and face a triple A lineup from the Braves and give up, you know, and pitch four scoreless innings, but give up, you know, seven balls tagged to the right. tra- track and all of them are caught because Oscar Mercado's dragging them down or whatever. It doesn't 
doesn't help. No. You know, it, it looks different. So it's the ends, not the, or I'm sorry, it's the means, not the ends. I'm calling you on that. Uh, Eric Gould will be on it all weekend long. STL today. That guy's his day off, for God's sakes. And here he is over here uh, doing this. And he was at the ballpark anyway. That's his commitment uh, at San Francisco. Bro, yeah, I mean, it's a story for the, you, you got to be there to write the story from the future. So you can read it uh, on stltoday.com, St. Louis Post Dispatch. Derek Gould. Rick Hummel will be writing all that. He will be all over it. Yes, yes. Uh, so very exciting. Thank you for everybody. All kinds of questions here. If you missed it, uh, it'll be up on Facebook here in a matter of moments, and you can start from the very beginning. It'll be up on Periscope and at T. McKernan. You can watch from the very beginning, and it'll be up on the podcast. Um, it's Tim McCurney Show. Subscribe to it on iTunes or wherever you may podcast, and you can listen to it as well. The reason it's possible, the people with the backdrop here, Design Air Heating and Cooling. They are online at designairservice.com. They are the number one train dealer in the Midwest. When it warms up in St. Louis and the air conditioning is not working, or if you need a new air conditioner, please make sure you go to designairservice.com and do business with Design Air Heating and Cooling. Drill that into everyone's head because they are making these spring training Facebook Live and Periscopes possible. It's designerservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. For Derek Gould, I'm Tim McKernan. Thank you for watching and participating in another live from spring training in Jupiter, Florida Q&A on Facebook Live and on Twitter. Presented by Design Air.